Shalom. This is Ron Warren with Torah Life Ministries. Today's broadcast is part of the Fall Feast and is the Feast of Shakok, Part 1, better known as Tabernacles. This podcast covers the Lulav-Etrog combination, and its foundation scriptures are found in Leviticus chapter 22, verse 26 to 23, verse 44. What is the meaning of Shakot? After the sin of the golden calf, the clouds of glory disappeared, and on Yom Kippur, the tenth of Tishri, Moses came down from the mountain with the second set of tablets. On the day after Yom Kippur, the eleventh of Tishri, Moses told the people to bring donations for the building of the tabernacle. They brought them for two days, which is the twelfth and the thirteenth. On the 14th of Tishri, the makers of the tabernacle gathered the materials, and on the 15th, they began their work, and the clouds of glory returned. This is the joy of Shakot. Shakot, also called the Feast of Tabernacles, is the finale of all of the appointed times. It is like the other festivals, which is what the Shabbat is to the other six days of the week. It is a prophetic picture of the coming and kingdom and a foreshadows of the celebration when the world will live in peace and brotherhood under the reign and rule of our King and Messiah, Yeshua. Leviticus chapter 23, verses 41 and 42 reads, You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. And all who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am your God. In Leviticus chapter 23, the words, I am your God, are only mentioned on two festivals, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and Shukot, which is Tabernacles. We celebrate two major groups of holidays within the course of the year. The first one is the High Holy Days, better known as the holidays in the feast of T- in the month of Tishri. And then there's the, the three pilgrimage festivals, Passover, which is the time of our freedom, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, is the time of the giving of the Torah and the rule of HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And then there's Shakot, Tabernacles. That's the time of our rejoicing. Shakot is a double festival, belonging both to the High Holy Days and to the Pilgrim Festivals, uniting both. On Shakot, we bind all of the branches together, two willows on the left, one date palm in the center, and three myrtles on the right. And we hold this bundle in our right hand and then lift them up together with the etrog. And then we shake them three times in each direction. Front, right, back, left, up, and down. Now, in conservative Judaism, there's a teaching in the lulav-etrog combination. This first teaching deals with a kind of a person. And each one of the species represents a different kind of a person based on its qualities. And they put together so that they might complement or, or compensate for each other. The etrog, which has good taste and a good smell, represents a person who both learns and does good deeds. The date palm 
which has a good taste but it has no smell, represents a person who learns but does no, no good deeds. The willows, who has no taste and no smell, represents a person who neither learns nor does good deeds. And the myrtles, which has no taste and yet it has a good smell, represents a person who does not learn but does good deeds. This lulav etrog combination teaching, when applied to the Orthodox Judaism, is remarkably interesting. It deals with Messianic theology. The etrog connects to the power of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 21, it reads, And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit which is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your offspring, nor from the mouth of your offspring's offspring, says the Lord now and forever. Now the date palm represents the Messiah. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8, it reads, I am going to bring in my servant the branch. The myrtles, with its two branches, are connected to the two appointed well, anointed ones. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 14, it reads, And these are the two anointed ones who are standing by the Lord of the whole earth. But the willow's three branches are connected to God the Father, the Messiah, and the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. Before I read this verse, I want to explain something. If you are a prophet and you're reading it in the Bible, it, you got two ways of looking at it. You could see that these are the words that the prophet, is, the prophet is saying about himself, and these are the words where God is talking through the prophet. The words I'm about to read is God talking through the prophet. In Isaiah 48, verse 13, it reads, Come near to me and listen to this. From the first I have not spoken in secret, and from the time it took place I was there. And now the Lord God, Father, has sent me, Messiah, and his Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, all three in one verse. Between Yom Kippur and Shakot, temporary booths known as the Sukkah are built around in the Jewish world. The fragrance of the etrog as we enter into the sukkah declares our faith in yud Vahe's protection. It is the essence of Shakot. The sukkah also provides a powerful bridge between the most sacred day of the year, Yom Kippur, and the harvest festival and joy of Shakot. At the conclusion of Yom Kippur, we are commanded to build the sukkah. And it is the sukkah that stands for peace, faith, shelter, and the eternal optimism of human behavior. Now, in the evening service of the Shabbat of Sukkah, we say this prayer. Spread over us the shelter, the Sukkah, of your peace. Praise be to you, Lord, who spreads a shelter, Sukkah, of peace over us, over all his people Israel, and over Jerusalem. The booth we built on Sukkot, on Shukot, mirrors the heavenly sukkah God prepares and spreads over us. It is an expression of hope in our future. Question. How does a sukkah become a sukkah of peace? 
If God wanted to protect us, we should have an iron shield apiece or a stone arch apiece. In a time of fear, we would love to have that iron shield or that concrete overhead. But it's a sukkah. Who would trust something as flimsy as a sukkah to protect us? And yet, in the festival of Shakot, Jews go outside precisely to expose themselves to the elements. Why? The sukkah of peace is not made with armor or steel, but is with faith. The sukkah is said to be a harvest hut, but it is also a reminder of the sukkahs God provided the children of Israel for the exodus from Egypt. Now, some rabbis teach that when the children of Israel arrived at Shukot, God made booth for shelter for the children of Israel. Other rabbis teach that the booth God made for them consisted of the seven clouds of glory which enveloped them and became their protection. One cloud was placed under their feet like a carpet. Another one was above their heads like a shelter. Four encircled them from each side, and the seventh cloud went before them to show them the way. They call it God's bubble. All Israel dwelt in one sukkah, the sukkah of the clouds of glory. The clouds of glory that surrounded the Israelites were removed after the sin of the golden calf, and the Israelites repented and God forgave them on Yom Kippur. The clouds of glory reappeared five days later on Shekot. The sukkah is called by the sages as the shelter of faith, and we are commanded to well enjoy. We can only do that by having faith that something better can emerge than what we are seeing now. In the sukkah, no words of harshness should be heard. The sukkah should be a shelter where words of peace and hope can be exchanged, even if it's at the center of emotion, these words come with difficulty. The sukkah erases the ranks of wealth. It is equality for all. Everyone dwells in the sukkah, rich or poor. It teaches that the rich that possess physical possessions are not as permanent as they seem and that they are not always in control. It teaches the poor like their forefathers, that they have the confidence that God will provide. And during Shukot, the poor and the rich are equally already in the same boat. Sukkah. Humans tend to think that we are in complete control. We know in our minds it's not so, but we act as if our fate and our world are in our hands. The temporary boost shows us different. The ultimate is to put our trust in God. And this idea is expressed in the book Ecclesiastes, which is read on Shagot. The author, of, uh, the author is King Solomon, one of the wisest and richest men of all time. And he begins with these words by saying, Vanity of vanity, all is vain. What profit has a man of all his work wherein he labors under the sun? And at the very end, King Solomon sums it up in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, by saying, Finally, when all is said and done, fear God and keep his laws, for that is the duty of men. King Solomon discovered that God is the only stable force in the world, not his possessions or labor. 
and this point is driven home in the sukkah. Shakod, which speaks of rejoicing, has another name for this feast. The season of our joy. In Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 15, it reads, Seven days you are to keep the feast of Adonai your God in the place Adonai your God will choose, because Adonai your God will bless you in all of your crops and in all of your works, so you will be filled with joy. And the gathering of the year's final harvest was the confirmation of God's blessing upon the Jewish people for their obedience in his Torah. Salvation and obedience to God always leads to joy. Now, question. Why did God choose Shakot as the test of obedience for the Gentiles? As the feast of in gathering, it is the correct time for God to gather the human fruit for his kingdom. And in every age, God gave his people obligations. And it is their opportunity to worship him as well as to test their point of their obedience. And if the nations were not willing to worship yod in Jerusalem, he would withhold the provision of food as well as his blessing. How do I know this? Zechariah 14 verse 16 reads, Then it will come about that any who are left from all of the nations that went up against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths. Shalom. Until the next podcast. And if this teaching has been a blessing to you, you might want to consider subscribing to the Anchor Podcast platform and to our Life Ministries website. You can do this at www.torlifeministry.com. And until then, Ron has left the building.